Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here, um, to come and to celebrate and to worship you. And we, we marvel at your love. How can it be that you love us um, this much? And uh, we come to celebrate in that love. And uh, Lord, I pray that that love would both encourage us and challenge us each this morning. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Everybody doing well? Take that as a yes. All right. This is going to be a great sermon, I can tell. Um, hey, I want to welcome you. My name is Adam Young, uh, lead pastor here at Element Church, and uh, excited that you're here to join us for uh, our series that we've entitled Natural Rhythms. Now, I've kind of already explained this several weeks. I'll, I'll do it again briefly, but um, we, you know, there are natural rhythms in our life depending on what your life stage is. You have a certain rhythm when you're in college. That rhythm drastically changes uh, when you get your first full-time job uh, and you realize that college was a lot easier than you thought when you were in it. Um, and, and things change and you get married and then you have kids or whatever your, your particular life looks like and, and what stages you've gone through, you know that at every stage there are different rhythms to life. And um, that's also true not only based on what career you have and what life stage you're in, but also your culture. And in our culture, January, uh, is just one of those uh, times uh, that provides us with some natural rhythms every year. Um, some opportunities to, to evaluate things, to think about things. You know, last week was Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, as well as National Sanctity of Life uh, weekend. And so we talked about both of those last week, just taking advantage of the natural rhythms of our culture. Um, things that our culture already values or talks about or has identified, and we just kind of pick, pick up on that, kind of piggyback on that, and talk about God's perspective on those things. And we're doing the same thing today um, as we just kind of examine just uh, or utilize natural rhythms to examine some things in our lives. Now, um, it's not a secret. I think it's not a secret. I'm pretty confident it's not that, that I'm a nerd, and everyone kind of knows that. Um, and I love spreadsheets. Like, I really love spreadsheets. And uh, I have a lot of them, and I maintain them all year long. Most of them are like financial spreadsheets. I love to track everything. Like, I track all my investments. I even track investments that I don't currently have just because I'm, I'm investigating them and to see if I want to invest in them. And, and so I just love tracking things. And one of the things that I do every January, it's a natural rhythm for me, is I get to redo and remake some spreadsheets uh, to prepare for the new year. And as a part of that, um, my wife and I will set financial goals. We'll sit down and talk about these things. Uh, to be totally honest, usually what happens is it's more of me like, hey, these are the financial goals I would really like to hit. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, as long as she doesn't have to do the spreadsheets because I just get geeked out. But, um, you know, we love to set goals because it helps us during the year make decisions. Last year was an interesting year financially for us because um, we had some really big purchases. Some of them were planned. You know, last year I, I finished up uh, a second master's degree and we were committed to, to not going into debt. So we were paying cash for the tuition as, as I went. And, uh, and so I finished up last year, but, but I had that final semester of tuition um, to do. Uh, we had been saving for a long time, uh, much longer than we had anticipated, um, to replace my wife's vehicle. 
vehicle, which we finally did towards the end of the year. That was something that we had planned and prepared for for a long time because, again, we, we didn't want to take out a loan, so we were saving for it. And some were unexpected. If you've been here for a while, like you know, like last year, I don't remember, it was March or April, uh, my truck engine just blew. And it was going to cost more to fix it than the truck was worth. And so I was in this weird position of like, what do you do? I wasn't intending or wanting to replace my vehicle. Um, and so then, you know, that whole search for a used vehicle and, and trying to find another truck. But um, that one was certainly unexpected. The others were anticipated and expected. But, you know, having goals helps you make decisions. You know, one of our goals is to remain completely debt-free outside of our mortgage. And so that controlled how we spend our money and what we do with our money because we, we were going to save up for the car instead of going to get a loan. And today is not a talk on finances or debt or anything. I'm just using this as an illustration. And so every January, we sit down and we set goals for ourselves or for our family, and they help us make decisions so that when something like a major car uh, malfunction goes on, we, we have plans for it, or we know what the next steps will be. Or when some extra money comes in. We had another big expense last year. I had like a $2,000 doctor bill because my insurance just said, nope. And I'm like, all right. Um, so they just wouldn't cover this big uh, thing. And so, like, great. So I called the company uh, or the, the doctor's office, and you know I'm like, I have health insurance, but for all practical purposes, I don't because they're not covering this. And I'm like, so what do you offer for like uninsured people? And so we negotiated. I eventually got it down 30%, which I thought was pretty good. Um, and uh, so I was like, you know, paid it off or whatever. And then one day uh, my wife calls and she's like, hey, the doctor just sent us a check for like $350 and said we overpaid. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, should we like call? And I'm like, nope, don't, don't call. We're depositing that. Don't ask any questions. We'll just take it. And so um, for us, you know, we have certain goals, and that helps us know what to do with that extra $350 or whatever it was because we had already decided what we wanted to do and who we were going to be as a family. And I think there's real value in just taking a moment to go, okay, who are we? Where do we want to go? What do we want to accomplish? How will we get there so that we know every step of the way what needs to happen? And both this week and next week, we're going to do that um, concerning Element Church. Um, about who we are, what we're trying to accomplish, where we're going, and how we're going to make the little decisions and little steps to get there. And so, um, so this is sort of one of those natural rhythms in our culture that January is a great time for evaluation and reevaluation. And we're going to do that as a church. And so um, we're going to talk about the mission of the church. We're going to talk about kind of why we exist and what we're trying to do. Um, and, and next week, we'll, we'll kind of piggyback on that and talk probably more specifics next week and, and more generalities this week, but when we talk about the mission of Element Church, we really have to start with the mission of God. Because if we're going to be a church that honors God and that is who we're supposed to be, then we should be doing the things that God has called us to do, and we should be doing the things that God is at work doing. So if we're going to talk about the mission of this church, really any church, then we have to start with talking about the mission of God. Now, when you walked in, you were handed what we call a worship guide. 
If you have one, great. If not, don't worry. Um, there's some information, there's some things inside of it that I'm not going to talk about or cover now. We'll, we'll hit those at, at the end of the service. But there was an insert. We don't ever do inserts, but I just so happened to put one in this week. Um, and then if you didn't get a worship guide, if you have your Bible app, um, normally, you know, you can use your Bible app to just go to whatever verses we're covering. But if you will hit the menu and hit events, or maybe it's called live events, and then the first thing that pops up is Element Church. If you click Element Church, um, not only are the scriptures we're going to cover today, the announcements we're going to make all ready in the Bible app, this list is also in the Bible app. Um, and so if you don't have the piece of paper, you can have it right there on the Bible app. Uh, I'm not going to read every one of these, just so you know. We'd all like to eat lunch before two. So there's a lot of scriptures listed, and we're not going to go through and read every one, but we're just going to do a quick survey um, that, that is on here. And then, of course, this is something that you can take. The scripture references are listed, so you could study further if you wanted. If you don't have this, but you've got the Bible app open, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Bible app, you can save the event. So all the scriptures in this list, you can hit save, and that way when church ends, eventually that'll disappear from the Bible app. You won't have access to it anymore unless you save it. If you save it, you'll have access to it as long as you want. Um, and you can also take notes within the Bible app too if that's something you'd like to do. And so um, just looking at the mission of God, we're going to do a very quick survey of some scriptures that talk about why God does what he does. Most of the time we focus on the what. What is God doing? But this is about focusing on the why. Why does God do what he does? And I'm going to go briefly, quickly through this list. Isaiah 43, God created us for his glory. Isaiah 49, God called Israel for his glory. God chose Israel to bring him glory. Jeremiah 13, God rescued Israel from Egypt for his glory. Psalm 106, God raised up Pharaoh to show his power and glory. God defeats Pharaoh by the Red Sea to show his glory. God spared and restored Israel for the glory of his name. Jesus sought the glory of his father in all that he did. John 7, Jesus told us to do good works so that God would get glory. Jesus warned that failure to seek God's glory makes faith impossible. Jesus answers prayers so that God will be glorified. Jesus endured his suffering for the glory of God. God forgives our sins for his own sake. Isaiah 43 and Psalm 25. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son of God. God the Father and God the Son glorify one another. God instructs us to do everything for his glory. God's plan is to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory. And in the end, God's glory will replace the sun. God is about his glory. God is about making his name great. If you had to list some of the most treasured and favorited, favorited, is that a word? Favorited? It is? The English teacher said yes, so we're done. Um, one of, one of, I think, the Christian world's most favorite uh, scriptures. Um, there would be several in the top five. Psalm 23 would probably be one of the top. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me 
in the path of righteousness. You know how that sentence ends? For his namesake. God restores me for his namesake. God leads me for his namesake. As my great shepherd, he takes me to the green pastures and the beautiful still water for his namesake. God does what he does to make his name great, to bring him glory, which means you and I were created to bring him glory. And so this is how we state that mission at Element Church. This is both on that little handout and in the Bible app. Our mission is that we exist to glorify God through whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exist to glorify God through whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We exist to glorify God. That's our purpose as a church, and that is your purpose. Now, I some of you may be like, hey, this is interesting. I'm glad to learn some new information about Element Church because this is my church home. Or some of you may be saying, I don't know if Element Church is my home. Maybe I'm just passing through or stopping by, or I don't, I don't know if I'm really called to be here or invest my life here. And so um, it, it doesn't matter if you find Element Church to be your church home or any other church in this world. Your purpose and the purpose of that church doesn't change. It is to bring God glory. Now, there are a lot of ways that we can bring God glory. There are a lot of things we can do, things we can say, things we can sing and pray to bring him glory. But I think the greatest way to glorify God is by being a part of the process of seeing lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We like to say it this way here at Element Church. Change makes something different transformation makes something new. There are a lot of things that can change your life. One phone call can change everything about your life. Now, I don't normally share prayer requests from the stage. So if you like have a prayer request that you've shared, you don't ever have to worry that I'm going to like blurt it out for the whole world. Um, but this is a really urgent one. It's an important one. It's an immediate one. And I think it illustrates the point well um, Nick and Amanda Villarreal, they're both serving in children's ministry today, but Nick's mother had a stroke yesterday. Now, she's doing much better. She's improving. Oh, there he is. I couldn't see you. The lights are too bright. I'm glad you, sh you raised your hand. So Nick's sitting back at the computer. Um, that's right. Somebody covered for you in nursery today. Um, that's a phone call that changes your life. And we're going to continue to pray for Diane and his mom and her recovery. And she was here just a few weeks ago. Things are looking up. She's doing incredibly well. That's a phone call that will change your life, right? There's a lot of things that can change your life. But it's only by the gospel of Jesus that we're made new. Not changed, but made new. That's what we're about at Element Church. About seeing whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. About the good news of the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that doesn't just make us different, 
but makes us new. We have um, this thing called the Element Code. It's not something we really talk about much or we publish a lot, but um, it, it's sort of a guide, some guiding principles that we use to help make decisions at the church, and I'm not going to go through them all. Um, but one of them is uh, we will always celebrate changed, transformed lives over changed behavior. Our goal here at this church is not to change how you dress, what music you listen to, or even, honestly, how you spend your Sunday mornings. I mean, my preference would be that it's here with us. But we're here to celebrate and to see lives made new, not just for people to change behaviors. Because it's that new transformation, that transformation that brings the greatest glory to God and why he created you and why Jesus, the Son of God, died for you. Now, there are some things about Element Church that um, I think are good to review and to explain. Um, While Element Church is fairly new, the DNA has existed for a long time because God created us and his people to bring him glory. But somewhere along the way, the idea of Element Church was birthed. Actually, if you go back to the early genesis of it, um, it, it probably really begins when my wife and I were engaged, which would be, so this would have been, we've almost been married 13 years, so about 14 years ago. Um, I was so excited about being in ministry that I was working for a church. It was small then, but it was growing, and I was working about 30 hours a week. I was, going to, I was in college. I was going to school full-time. I was working 30 hours a week, and I was getting paid uh, $400 a month. Uh, the good thing is I was single, living on my own in a really cheap, nasty house, um, and I didn't need a lot to survive, but I needed more than $400. And so um, I was a graveyard shift janitor, to help make ends meet. And because, you know, <laughs> you do silly things when you're like infatuated right, with someone and you're dating. And so Elena, when we were dating, we might have been engaged at this point. We were engaged at this point. She would come and just hang out with me while I was cleaning bathrooms and mopping floors in the middle of the night. Because you do crazy things like that when you're dating. Now, if I was like, hey, honey, I, I got this extra gig to you know, pay bills. Would you like to come? She'd be like, nope, have fun. Um, I'm, she might go actually. Um, but, uh, but she would just come and hang out with me while I was mopping floors and stuff. And we would just start dreaming and talking about our future. And we were talking about like, both of us were passionate about being in ministry and what that would look like down the road. And I, I don't remember what I said. I said something about taking over a church, you know, like, you know, eventually working my way up to being a senior pastor. And she was like, really? I'm like, yeah, why? And she's like, I just always assumed we'd start one. And I was like, Nope, that's a bad idea. <laughs> and, uh, and that was like 15, 14, 15 years ago. Um, and, and then, but, but as the Lord continued to lead over the years, like we just felt a burning passion to, to see God do some work in a new area. And that's honestly what brought us to Murphy Creek, um, was a growing community, a newer community without a strong gospel presence. And we wanted to be a part of the solution and bringing transformation into people's lives and into a community by the gospel of Jesus. And that's what led us to, to start the church. When we started telling people about what we were going to do, we got two reactions. Well, first of all, so you have to know, we were living in like the Littleton Morrison area at the time. So we got two reactions. The first was when we told them where we were planting, they were like, you're moving to Kansas? Um, and then the second reaction or the question we got all the time was, 
why Element Church? Why are you calling it Element Church? Because um, it's a little different. And um, there's several factors that, that play into that. Number one was we were trying to find something that was somewhat unique. Um, be a little different. Uh, I did all kinds of Google searches and quickly discovered that there are no unique church names. They've all been used, unless it's really weird. And and so we were like, all right, so we kind of gave up on the idea of like, we're going to find this awesome, cool name no one's ever used. So we just started thinking like, okay, what kind of church are we going to be? What are we going to be about? And that's what eventually led us to Element Church, because there were there were three things that we kept talking about what we really wanted to be about. And we wanted to be simple, we wanted to be biblical, and we wanted to be real. Now, when you see the church logo, Element Church, sometimes it has this little tagline. Um, on the offering envelope, I noticed that there's on our logo, the tagline is included, simple, biblical, real. Um, and, and here's why. First of all, I, I fully recognize I'm not a chemist or a biologist, um, but elements are the basic building blocks of our world. Now, I recognize they get much more basic. They get into whatever it is, protons, neutrons, subatomic particle, I don't know, all this stuff that I don't get. I realize you can break it up into much more simpler parts, but an element is still tangible. You can still hold it in your hand. Well, some. Some would hurt or kill you, but you can still hold an element in your hand. It's simple, but it's tangible. And that's what we wanted our church to be. We wanted to be both simple and basic. We didn't want to be distracted by a million different uh, programs running in a thousand different directions. We wanted to be primarily about one thing, seeing lives transformed by the gospel with no distractions. And we wanted to be tangible. We wanted to be real. Something that people could, could grasp. Something that would, would make a real impact in people's lives and in this community. Not just full of theories and good ideas and maybe even some good sermons. We're all like, yeah, that's awesome, but I'm going to leave and I'm not going to do anything about it. We wanted to be a people that took action that were real. And an element is sort of the building block of our world. And for us at this church, the Bible is our foundation. Everything we do is done based on what Scripture teaches us about who God is, who we are, and who He has called us to be. And so that's why we named the church Element Church, because we wanted to be simple. We wanted to be biblical. We wanted to be that foundation for people's lives in the community, and we wanted to be real. We aren't perfect. We aren't complete. We don't have all the answers, but we are real. We are a group of people who understand that we are, we are terrible sinners, all of us. You know, Roselle got up and talked about David. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that he kind of makes like the faith, you know, hall of fame if there were such a thing. Like that's, he would be in it and he'd be at the top. Something that, is a, a man that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. Like if the Bible's going to talk about you, that's a pretty good description. Like if you get that one. Man, he made some bad mistakes. David wasn't perfect. But the Lord used him. 
and the Lord never gave up on him. And no matter what he did, the Lord wouldn't let him get too far before he pulled David back in. We aren't perfect here, but we are striving after the heart of God and striving to bring him great glory with everything we do, with everything we say, with everything we sing, and all the ways we respond to who he is and what he's doing in our lives. Because we know that ultimately we were created to bring him glory. There's one other thought, and there's two other scriptures that I want to share with you. Um, The other thought that I wanted to share with you was... um, our vision statement. So we kind of went through our mission statement. We exist to glorify God through whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, And here's our vision statement. This is going to be different because this isn't like most vision statements, but our vision statement here at Element Church is that we don't accomplish our mission by what we do, but by who we are. Now, usually a vision statement is supposed to be like a picture of a preferred future, usually one year down the road or five years down the road. And, and we set goals and we try to accomplish things, but, but we wanted to, to be very clear at Element Church that we are not going to build everything and hang our hat on everything we do, but instead spend more time focusing on who we are. You know, we talk about the hall of fame of people in the Bible. If you're going to go to the New Testament, obviously Jesus wins. He's number one. But um, other people in the New Testament, Paul and Peter, right? Even if you, like, never go to church and have never read your Bible, you, you're like, yeah, you know, what is, it? what is the phrase, rob Peter to pay Paul or whatever it is, right? Like you're, some people are like, I don't even know who Peter and Paul is, but you know their names, Um Right? They certainly make it up to the top, but um, Peter and Paul didn't always get along. Right? Remember, heroes of the Bible were real human beings, and Peter and Paul didn't always get along. And we read a little bit about that in Galatians chapter 2, and I, and I want to look at this conflict because it illustrates this point really well. So starting in verse 11 of Galatians chapter 2, it says, But when Cephas, that's another name for Peter, came to Antioch, I, Paul, this is Paul writing, so first person, that's Paul. I opposed him to his face. Isn't it funny that he wrote about this and we now have it in the Bible? Peter was like, dude, did you have to include that one? I'm sure he thought that. Probably not, but I would have. All right. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, that's the half-brother of Jesus, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. I'll I'll explain all the nuances here in just a minute. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So what's happening is Peter, who is a good Jew, uh, who knows that 
before Jesus changed things, he wasn't supposed to associate with Gentiles. That's just a non-Jew, right? They ate forbidden food. They worshiped forbidden idols and gods. They, they lived a lifestyle that was forbidden in many ways. And so there was supposed to be this great separation. And then Jesus tore down those barriers, those walls of hostility between these different people groups. It's just like Paul will go on to say later in this same letter, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. Jesus has broken down those dividing walls. So Peter, I mean, yeah, Peter goes, good, pious Jew, starts eating and hanging out with Gentiles, right? Because God's tore down those walls. We're free to, right? We're all one in Jesus. But then some of his former Jewish buddies come. And when they show up, he backs off and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I don't, I don't hang with those Gentiles, man. They're bad. They're sinful. They're, you know, they're terrible. I'm, I'm too good for them. And then Paul catches him in the act and in front of everyone calls him out on it. Calls him out for his hypocrisy. He's like, Peter, how can you preach and say one thing and live another way? And what does he say? But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. This, I think, illustrates the point well. That for us to accomplish our mission by bringing God glory, by seeing whole lives transformed, that we need to spend more time focusing on who we are, not just what we do. Because one of the most dangerous religious traps out there is the idea that if you check all the right boxes, you can please God and get him off your back. Like if I just show up to church occasionally, read my Bible occasionally, don't cuss too much, you know, that kind of stuff, then God's obligated to stay off my back and stay out of my way. Or he's obligated somehow to let me into heaven one day. It's a great burden to bear, and it's a lie that you can't impress God with what you do. You can't earn his love. You can't earn his forgiveness. The truth of the gospel is you're a terrible sinner. I'm a terrible sinner. David was a terrible sinner, but it's by God's grace and mercy for his namesake that he took upon our sin and died for us. So that the truth of the gospel is God's grace extends to everyone irregardless of what boundaries or barriers our culture may want to put up between people. And so for us to bring God glory, for us to be agents of bringing life transformation to others, it's not about a religious to-do list. It's not about following all the rules. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's rules in the Bible. We're supposed to follow them. We'll talk about them here at church. But the biggest concern is about who you are because who you are will eventually flow out of you into your actions. We don't accomplish our mission by what we do, but by who we are. One final scripture that I want to look at, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is actually a passage that we read last week. We focused on part of it. We're going to focus on a little bit of a different part today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's transformation. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for God, for Christ, God, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is the truth of the gospel. This is life transformation. This is what God is at work doing. And if we are going to be a people and a church that brings honor and glory to God, then we have to be after doing the same thing that he is. And notice what it says. That God was at work in reconciling the world to himself. And at the end of verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's where God takes his mission and hands it to us, his church, his people, you and I, those who believe in him and follow him and trust him, those who are made new in Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means bringing glory and honor to God's name is now not only God's responsibility, he has given that job to us as well. And that's why our church mission has to line up with God's mission. Because he's given us the task to carry on what he has been doing and continues to do. And then notice here at the end, verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. There is a hurting world out there, and they're looking for truth, they're looking for answers, they're looking for grace and mercy and purpose and life. And here it says that God is making his appeal through us. The greatest way that we could glory, give glory to God, that we could honor him, that we could make his name great, is if we would, would be that appeal to a lost and dying and broken world, that there is an answer, that, that newness But transformation is possible, that purpose is possible, and to see lives transformed through our ministry and the pill that God makes through us. And that is both us as a church and you and me as individuals. We don't get to pass the buck off on some organization. Oh, it's the church's job. (laughs) The church is the people. It's not a building, thank goodness. It's not about budgets. It's not about programs. It's not about a 501c3 or articles of incorporation or bylaws and a constitution. It's about the people. He gave us the task, you and I, to be those agents of reconciliation as God makes his appeal through us to a broken world. That's who we are. That's who we are striving to become. For every decision that we make as a church in 2019, as we decide what to do and what not to do, as we're making uh, plans and preparations and changes, it's all coming through the lens of who we are. And we are a people, a people called to glorify God through whole lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is our invitation to you to join in, 
to not just be a spectator, but to join in the game, to be a part of the process, to see lives and a community transformed by God's grace for his glory through our ministry. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to sing and to celebrate, to listen and to worship, to pray, to think. All to your glory. Lord, everything we do um, in this moment and when we leave these doors, we want them to, to bring you great glory. And I pray that what happens in this moment, in the next few moments, would do just, would do just that. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a minute. And we're moving into and entering into a time of response, a time that we designate and set aside every week to respond to who God is and what he's doing and how he is speaking in our lives. And I recognize that the message today um, on some aspects, maybe a little hard to, to make a practical application. I mean, maybe if you're on the outside standing in and you say, hey, it's time for me to, to, to join in. To, to join in on the mission of this church. To join in on their ministry as God makes his appeal through us to this community. And next week, we're going to be talking more specifics about how that works and what that looks like. And give you some very practical tools to do that. But this morning, my challenge and my encouragement to you is to examine your own personal life and the way in which you are or are not an ambassador for Christ. How God is or isn't making his appeal through your life and the way you live and what you speak. As a way and an opportunity for you to examine your own life and whether or not you're bringing God glory in all that you do. Because that is why you are created and it's also why you've been saved. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today. And maybe now is the first time you've ever realized why you've been created. Maybe it's the first time you've realized why Jesus died for you. And it's an opportunity for you to give your life to him. To believe in him, to trust in him to serve and to follow him. And so as Nick and Trina continue to lead us this morning, you do what you need to do. If you want to sit and pray or think, you do that. You want to stand and sing and celebrate, then you stand and you sing and you celebrate. The communion table is at the back if you'd like to make that as a part of your worship response this morning. But you do what both you feel the Spirit leading you to do and how God is impressing on your heart right now what would bring him most glory. Lord, thank you for who you are. Continue to move and to speak.